captain's logs. Han Solo. I'm Captain of the Millennium Falcon. This is Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the Federation Starship Enterprise. Listening to Captain's Logs and Lightsabers, part of the Geek News Now Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 12 of Captain's Logs and Lightsabers. This is the podcast on the Geek News Now Network where we talk about all things Star Wars and Star Trek in the same podcast. My name is Jonathan. I am one of your hosts. With me, as he always is for this show, is my co host, Chris. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. How have you been? I'm fantastic. It's been a, a bit of a crazy couple weeks. Uh, I'm getting over a cold, which is why mm-hmm. we haven't recorded in a while. But uh, we are back. We are here to discuss the news. And um, we are also going to discuss the premiere episode of Star Trek Prodigy, the new animated show on Paramount Plus that had its premiere episode on October 28th. So we're going to talk about that, but we're going to do some news. What's new with you? Oh, not too much on on my end. Just getting down to one job in the next few weeks and building up my business and just getting ready for the holidays, you know, and a, new, and a whole bunch of new Star Trek being on the way. I know. It, it's all going to be coming so fast. Uh, and, I know. And, and Star Wars stuff, too. I mean, we are going to have one heck of a holiday season for sure. Thank goodness. Santa Claus, come on and bring whatever you can bring to us fans. That's for sure. That's right. All right. So, uh, like I said, we are going to hit some of the news stories that have broke since we last had a chance to record. I know we've had a couple interview episodes and really didn't get a chance to talk the news that has broken over the past several months. So we're going to take care of that right away. Move the ship out of the asteroid field so that we can send a clear transmission. Captain. Incoming message. I have good news. So the first news story that we're going to cover, uh, we got a premiere date for the book of Boba Fett and some info, uh, some very limited info about the series, but we got a premiere date of December 29th. So they're really cutting it close for that 2021 premiere, but Hey, we're getting it in December. So mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. Uh, of course, you know, the, uh, the, the book of Boba Fett was teased at the end of the second season of The Mandalorian. Uh, we knew it was coming, but and we knew that it would take place after the, the second season of The Mandalorian. And, and we may get some flashbacks. It's hard to say how the structure of the series is going to be, but I'm looking forward to it. Of course, it stars... Tamuera Morrison and Ming-Na Wen. Uh, John Favreau and Dave Filoni are going to be executive producing the show, as well as Robert Rodriguez, Kathleen Kennedy, and Colin Wilson will also be executive producers. Uh, I, I know I am really excited for you know how this show plays out. I think that the way that they reintroduced Boba Fett to us in The Mandalorian was incredible. He is a badass, and it's everything that everyone always thought Boba Fett would be. It finally coming true. What do you think? I think it looks really good. Um, just, I'm very curious to see how the show is actually going to begin. I mean, that little scene at the end of the Mandalorian, they, they basically killed their way into Jabba's palace. And what was Boba Fett sitting in Jabba's seat? Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. it was. So, I mean, where's that going to go? Right. You know, that's going to be very interesting to see. Is he going to end up, you know, continuing to be some type of, 
mercenary or bounty hunter, or is, is he going to be more helpful with people? I mean, it, who knows what they're going to do with it now? Um, I'm sure they'll keep Boba as some badass, but I'm not really sure like if that could cover a whole series. I don't know if there's going to still be like some like positive redeeming qualities where he's helping people or who knows. Sure, yeah, uh, the there really is. Uh so many different ways they can go and i know it's going to be amazing i know it's going to be incredible uh i am just going to be along for the ride i I can tell you that much yes yeah i think that's what i'm going to do too i think i'm just going to sit back and watch and see what unfolds and see what kind of creativity they come up with Uh, i'm I'm glad they got the same actor who played Django fett to come back and play it you know that's one good thing about star wars right now that the visual continuity and the character continuity seems spot on to me you know that that makes it for me, I enjoy it more. I think I'm very, I'm very big on like canon and consistency uh, with a lot of different things. So that I think that's part of why I'm enjoying this so much is just seeing it expanding with the regular actual actors, you know, and things kind of looking the same. It's, the, the world building has been excellent with the Mandalorian and now going into the Book of Boba Fett. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I I can't wait. It's going to be uh, a, a very nice um, Christmas slash New Year's present for sure. Yes, absolutely. You know, thank goodness. <laughs> All right. But, you know, before the book of Boba Fett premieres uh, back in the end of December, we have uh, some Star Trek series premiering. Uh, we're going to, uh, namely, uh, season four of Star Trek Discovery. That premieres very soon. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what we can expect from season four of Discovery? Sure. Well, Discovery season four premieres on November 18th on Paramount+. Plus. They haven't mentioned a whole lot of the storyline that's going to happen, but basically the storyline seems to be there's some sort of gravitational anomaly that's humongous that could actually cause severe damage to galaxy-wide. So that sounds like that's going to be the basic storyline and mission of season four and it brings the federation and other and non-aligned worlds together and they they come together to actually go ahead and try to stop this this phenomenon from destroying space basically or destroying the federation and the surrounding areas so that's basically all i know about it at this point and we do have michael burnham who's going to be the captain of the of discovery finally Mm -hmm. i I wish they would have done that from the get-go rather than making her this this character who made this bad decision cost millions of lives and then had to work her way up the captain i think it would have been perfect if she would have been captain right from the get-go. I think Sonequa Martin-Green is an excellent actress, and I would have loved to have seen her fly. But, hey, at least she's there as captain now, so that's going to be very exciting. It's going to be wonderful to see how she uh, leads and how she handles the crew and different crises that come about. Yeah, I think uh, I think she has her work cut out for her for sure. Um, mm-hmm. But she has, you know, she has a heck of a bridge crew under her command. So uh, sure. I think you know they'll, they'll rise to the challenge, rise to the occasion for sure. Um, sure. I'm excited, you know, because it's the the first live action show that uh, our our new friend Doctor Erin McDonald is working on. I, of course, you know, she worked on uh, Star Trek Lower Deck season two as the yes. uh, the science uh, advisor. But this, you know, Discovery season four will be the first season where she actually. You know, uh, first season of the show and the first season of a live action show that she's been a part of. So I'm really looking forward to seeing, you know, what her, um, well, one, to see her name in the credits and and two, to see, you know, uh, some of the things that she got to 
work on as far as the science behind everything. And it seems like a, gravi- a gravimetric anomaly is, is something that she would have had a field date with. Oh, I'm I'm certain of that one, definitely. And she was certainly very proud of the work she did on Lower Decks. I don't know if you noticed, right after Lower Decks' second season ended, she tweeted a picture, snapshot of her name in the credits at, at the very end. Yeah. Um, so she, you saw that? I did. That was so awesome. I, and yes. I, I can just imagine what her reaction was, seeing her name. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I can imagine. She was probably geeking out the entire time. And if anybody out there in the audience doesn't know, we actually interviewed Dr. Aaron McDonald uh, a few episodes back. It was a wonderful discussion, a lot of fun, very geeky. Um, So if you are interested and you want to go back a couple episodes, check that out. I think it would be worth your time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It was it was probably the most fun I've had in an in, in, in an interview on this show so far. So yes, yeah, it was um, wonderful. I, I know we got some details about uh, how the special effects and and some of the filming uh, was done on Discovery season four. The technology that they're using in season four of Discovery is very similar to uh, the volume, which is used to uh, film. Uh, the book of Boba Fett and of course the Mandalorian Uh, Mm -hmm. it's not going to be ILM but it's a very similar style Uh, it's going to be you know what a a horseshoe shaped LED set you know where Mm -hmm. basically they'll be able to project the digital effects in real time as the actors are there rather than using green screen I think that's absolutely phenomenal and I think it's going to bring a new level of uh, interaction you know to the show that you know, the characters are, are just, it gives them a lot more tools to act against. Oh, absolutely. I think it's wonderful. It's, it's just amazing how much the technology has grown over the years um, with what they can do now with CGI. Uh, it's, it'll make the shows almost to the point where, for example, in a lot of the animated series, they have free reign to kind of create whatever they want. Now they're actually going to have free reign to be able to create whatever kind of backgrounds they're going to want for ships and for technology and for planets and asteroids or whatever. You know, the the sky's the limit now with what they can create. So it's going to be really exciting to see. I mean, if it's even half as good as what the Mandalorian has done, uh, we're in for quite a treat. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, Well, I I think with that, let's move back into Star Wars, into the Star Wars galaxy here. Uh, Talk a little bit about the Cassian Andor series that's coming. Uh, It is called Star Wars Andor. Uh, Of course, it's going to feature Diego Luna, who played Cassian in Rogue One. It's a spinoff series of that show. It takes place, of course, prior to Rogue One, since uh, pretty certain Cassian did not survive (laughs) <laughs> the incident the incident on Scarif. So, um, of course, plot details are still very much under close guard, so we don't have a whole lot to report about Andor, but uh, Diego Luna has already called the show a rousing spy thriller. So it's... It, it's I'm excited because it's like, okay, uh, maybe a little James Bond, maybe a little Jason Bourne, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm really excited for that. Uh, the series, of course, is set to premiere sometime next year in 2022, since the show has finished filming. They're working in post-production now on it. So they haven't announced exactly when in 2022, but we're getting it then. Um, what uh, What are your thoughts on Andor? Uh, 
You know, I, I agree with what you're saying. I think the whole uh, super spy kind of feel is going to be kind of neat, something different for Star Wars. That's something that Star Wars seems to be very good at is adapting to different types of stories. It's not just about the Jedi and the Empire. You know, it actually has all these other little side stories that go on with it, and it just fits very well in that that world. So it's going to be fascinating to see how they develop that and then how that leads into Andor's character and what he becomes in Rogue One. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I really hope that we kind of get a bit more follow up on that uh, that contact that he had at the very beginning of Rogue One, the one that he yes. shot. You know, because mm-hmm. uh, you know he would have slowed down Cassian's escape. I hope we get a a, a bit more you know background with that character and why Cassian trusted him so much, but why he had to make that choice to sacrifice him so that he could escape. I, I, right. I think if we get enough of uh, time with that character, it's going to make that moment in Rogue One all the more powerful. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, it, it'll definitely bring it quite a punch. Because you're right. There's Right now, there's nothing. It's like, okay, he's there. He's there for five minutes, and then oh, he's off. Yeah. You know? So you're right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, th- I hope we get more in that space station, that, that ring of Kafreen, that was a really cool, uh, yes. visual effect with the, um, the way it was kind of, op, you know, parts of the space station were op- opposing gravity from one another. It was really, yes. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That would, that would definitely be really cool. And who knows what kind of other, uh, settings that they're going to have for this show, right. you know, with him being the spy and, it's, it's going to be very interesting. I, I even wonder if he's actually like, is he like a freelancer? Is he do his own thing? Or is he actually working for some sort of organization? Right. I, I mean, I'm pretty certain that he is, uh, you know, working for the Rebel Alliance. Um, maybe officially, unofficially, you know, uh-huh. like very much Mission Impossible style, where if something mm-hmm. happens to him, the Rebel Alliance would disavow any knowledge that he existed. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. All right. I, I don't think there's really much more that we can say about Andor right now since we have very minimal details. So let's move back into Star Trek. Uh, I, I know you have some news on uh, season two of Picard, right? Yes. Yeah, so season two of Picard is going to be pretty interesting. So obviously we all know by now that Q is going to be uh, rejoining Captain Picard. So we'll have John Delancey back for our season long arc. So basically what he says in this this trailer that came out was he tells Picard that the trial never ended. Going back to that trial that uh, that was shown um, against crimes against humanity in Encounter of Farpoint and was followed up in the Next Generation series finale, All Good Things. So this is the next continuation. So basically what it looks like is Q changes history. And it makes the Federation as some sort of totalitarian, I don't know if it's an empire or just you want to call it an organization. Uh, but it's, 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 well, freedom is basically taken away from, from the Federation. So Picard decides that they have to go back in time to figure out where the damage, where the change happened in the timeline to undo the damage. So we basically get a whole season in, uh, what would you say, was it 21st century modern day Los Angeles? So it, that's and I think what's interesting, too, is that they kind of tied the Borg into this story to a small degree, as it looks like they're going to be using the Borg Queen to actually go back in time. So it looks like um, 
they they must plug her into something. I don't know if they create some sort of time vortex or portal, but that's how they end up getting back in time. And and I don't know. That's really about all I know about it at this point. But I think it's going to be really fun. Time travel is always fun in the Star Trek universe. This is very interesting uh, with just, I guess, kind of like the political times of now talking about you know, totalitarianism and fascism. There'll probably be some commentary in that area. It, it'll be interesting to see what kind of story that they, they come up with and, you know, what they can do to resolve the timeline. It'll also be very interesting to see what Picard does in his new body now that, we, now that he's in the, right. in the Android body. So what are your thoughts? Um, I am unapologetically uh, a a huge fan of Q. So whenever we got that teaser and then the the initial uh, trailer, you know, showing him in all his glory, I thought that was absolutely incredible. I I kind of wish they had done that for the first season of Picard because I think it would have been a stronger season. But I understand why they had to, you know, play out the first season the way they did so that they could get Picard into that Android body and kind of make him, you know, more viable, uh, as a character since, you know, obviously, um, you know, Patrick Stewart wasn't getting any younger and Picard of course had, you know, had lived quite a full life up to that point. So I'm really excited for that. I'm really excited to see the follow-up and, and the continuation of the, the first and last episodes of star trek the next generation i think that's brilliant uh yeah i i definitely can't wait and and to echo your sentiments on on time travel and star trek i agree Uh, i i think that of all the sci-fi shows that have messed with time travel i think star trek always has the most clever ways of of sending the crew back in time or or even forward in time so yes Absolutely. And then, of course, they bring they tie the Borg into it slightly. But I mean, it all goes back to it was Q who introduced the Federation to the Borg in the first place. There's mm-hmm. that's a nice little continuation piece there. Um, I'm also looking forward to seeing what role the, the crew is going to have. I guess if you want to call it a crew. I don't know. They didn't kind of make it very clear at the end of season one of Picard where they were going. It was just they all assembled on La Serena and just went off on a a new adventure. Mm -hmm. So it'll be interesting to see why they're still together, what they've been doing and how they gel together as this motley crew aboard this ship. Sure. You know, also, I think what's interesting about this is um, we have I think they basically just sealed the deal that that Guinan is going to be in this season. If if Whoopi Goldberg doesn't get to join this season, especially if it's a, a Q story, then they've got problems over there at CBS because I think there needs to be that. Can you imagine seeing those two together again on screen? Oh my goodness, Whoopi Goldberg and John Delancey. Yeah, and I, I, it's it's a it's a nerd dream come true. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just I, I think you know more so than than even Lower Decks. You know, this season of Picard is a true love letter to the next yes. generation. And it sure is. I am one hundred percent on board. Yes. And of course I got I am I'm keeping my fingers crossed. I guess it doesn't really matter, but I'd love it if Jerry Ryan's promoted to series regular in this this season. Yeah. Yeah. I I think she had some some of the best scenes in, in season one of Picard. I, I was really sure invested did. in her story. So yeah, I, I hope that she does get that that promotion. To, yes. to series regular because that would be uh awesome 
Yes. So I think we got, uh, we're in uh, for a real treat in coming early 2022 in this premieres. I can't wait. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it is, like I said, this, this is, this is the beginning of something incredible uh, in, in the next, you know, uh, in, in roughly what, 18 days, we get uh, the season four premiere of discovery. And then mm-hmm. from there, you know, we've got Star Wars, Star Trek, Star Wars, Star Trek. I mean, it, it is it is going to be uh, an absolutely phenomenal six to eight months period. Yes, can't wait. Exciting time to be a genuine geek and nerd. Definitely. For Without sure. Without a doubt. For sure. All right. So jumping back into Star Wars, we saved the best piece of news for last. At least I think so. Uh, the Hollywood Reporter, I believe it was very early on Friday uh, of last week that they said that Hayden Christensen was going to reprise his role as Anakin Skywalker in Ahsoka, which I am here for the Hayden Renaissance. I think it's phenomenal that he's coming back. I know we're getting him in Obi-Wan as Darth Vader and he'll be in the suit. But if we get to see him as Anakin again, I will be in heaven. Let me tell you. (laughs) It's going to be great. It's going to be great seeing him coming back and and filling those shoes again. I really do believe Hayden Christensen didn't get the credit he deserved. I thought he did a damn good job playing that character. Oh, for sure. A lot of emotion. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I I think... I love the prequels. I, you know, we've had this discussion many times over on the show, but you know, I, I don't think Hayden got nearly as much credit as he deserved for, for how mm-hmm. well he portrayed Anakin. You know, you can say what you want about George Lucas, not being a very, um, very great at getting performances out of his actors. Uh, you know, he, Lucas always had a mind on the big picture and he didn't really drill down on his actors, but I, I think in the, in the hands of John Favreau and Dave Filoni, I think we are going to see quite a, 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 a nuanced performance from Hayden in, in Ahsoka. I don't know what, to what level uh, and how many episodes we're going to see him in. I really hope it's not just a one-off. Um, you know, one episode and appearance and nothing more. Um, but, you know, like I said to you in pre-show, if, if the Hollywood reporter says that, you know, an actor is appearing in a show, they're pretty much dead on at 100% right. You know? Um, oh yeah. And, and I think further confirmation of the fact that it's true was in a, uh, a tweet that Rosario Dawson sent out that was very, very quickly deleted uh, she sent out a tweet um, along with the link to the Hollywood Reporter article that said, Sky Guy, they know. See you soon. Love Snips. I thought that was amazing. And I'm so glad that I didn't get to see the initial tweet. But of course, nothing on the Internet has gone forever. And there were plenty of screenshots taken of the tweet and, and sent out to everybody. So I am I am definitely, uh, you know, confident in saying that this is 100% accurate that we are going to see him 
Oh, that's wonderful. I didn't even know about the tweet. I, so this is that's news to me. So yeah, it sounds like the cat's out of the bag officially, <laughs> even though unofficially. Right, right, right. I mean, nothing is ever official until Lucasfilm confirms it. But I mean, the Hollywood Reporter has rarely been wrong. Sure, absolutely. But boy, you write about seeing Anakin and Darth Vader again. I, I can't. I, what I'm really excited about is when the Obi Wan Kenobi series arrives, and we see that first encounter where, or where we find out when Obi Wan finds out that Anakin's still alive. I can't wait to see that exact moment, what the look on his face is going to be, and then when they see each other for the first time since Mustafar. Right. It's going to be. I can't freaking wait for that. I know. And then the same. Same thing with Ahsoka. I'd love to see when, what it's going to be like when the two of them are together. I mean, look at Ahsoka and, and Vader in the second season finale of Rebels. I can't remember the name. Is it Twilight of the Force or something? Twilight of the Apprentice. Twilight of the Apprentice. Yes. There we go. There we go. My favorite episode of the entire series. It was one of the most dramatic, well-written episodes I've ever seen of any of Star Wars. Just seeing the two of them and, and the look on her face when she sees his his uh, helmet was torn open and she can hear his voice through all the mechanics, you know, it's just, it was heart wrenching to see. So to see actually what, what happens with them going forward. Now, did they say what time period the Ahsoka series takes place in? It takes place. Uh, I, I don't know for sure. Um, I'm, but I am fairly certain that the time frame is going to be after her appearance in season two of the Mandalorian uh, mm -hmm. just because, you know, we got that, uh, that line of dialogue from Ahsoka when she was, uh, when she said that, and when she asked where Grand Admiral Thrawn is, I think that what were at least the main plot line that's going to run through Ahsoka is going to be her search for Thrawn and Ezra. Okay. Okay, that's good. That'd be great to see them in live action. Right. So I'm wondering, how, that's why I wonder how much uh, uh, Hayden are we going to get? How much Anakin are we going to get? Are we sure. going to get flashbacks? Uh, is Hayden going to be a force ghost that uh, Ahsoka mm -hmm. communes with? Are we going to get both? Mm -hmm. Please, I, I hope we get both. That would be wonderful. You've got to be so geeked out right now because isn't Ahsoka your favorite character? Oh, absolutely. Uh, 100% my favorite character. Um, I just, I don't know. Part of it is because of my, you know, my love of Ashley Eckstein. You know, she mm -hmm. is just the absolute nicest person. I've met her, like I said, I've met her a few times. Um, I've had her sign books. I've had her sign autographs. Uh, she is just a wonderful human being. Um, she's a, you know, she's a fantastic actress. She's, she has a great business mind because she runs her universe, uh, on the, you know, on the day to day basis. I know hot topic owns her universe and it's part of that, you know, that it's part of the hot topic family, but she is still the day to day, you know, management of, of that company. And sure. the way that she has built that from, you know, you know, she said she built that because she never would, when she was out shopping, she would never see star Wars fashion for girls. Mm -hmm. So she started the company with that in mind and, and really bringing that, that's that that voice to the female fan base that that is so much bigger than i think anyone realizes you know mm -hmm. in star wars i there are so many so many girls and and women that that love star wars that you know she had to do something for them 
for herself sure. and for them. And yeah, she is, yeah, she's just, she's incredible. Um, and just the way that she has a- been able to exhibit so much emotion with the character. And, and, and I, and yeah, I know that Rosario Dawson is going to be our live action Ahsoka and I'm okay with that. I, you know, I, I was a little weird at first seeing her and a little, a little upset that Ashley didn't get brought in for it. But, but I think if anyone can do the character justice, it is Rosario. Okay. Yeah. I was just about to ask you what you thought of Ashley not getting the the part. Cause that's what you, I mean, I would have thought that that's the way it would have been, but Rosario Dawson or Dawson seemed to do a pretty good job in, in uh, Mandalorian. So yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing more of her portrayal. Right. And we only got a little sample of what she can do. So I right. think in, in a full series, I think there's going to be a lot more folks that really come over to her side with, with the Ahsoka series. At least I'm hoping. Good. Good. Yeah. good. So, so at this point they just really, do we have a date on when Ahsoka is going to be released? We don't. We... we don't. There's no date. They haven't even confirmed that they started filming yet, for sure. Okay. Okay. Um, I, I imagine they are, you know, close to starting just because mm-hmm. of the news that's breaking. So we're probably not going to get that until 2023, if I had to guess. But yeah, sounds about right. Yeah. Anyway, um, I think that's enough gushing about Ahsoka. <laughs> really? <laughs> uh, I mean, look, I could go on and on and on, but. I don't think the rest of our audience. <laughs> <laughs> they don't want to hear you fanning out about it. Huh? <laughs> no, yeah. no, we've done enough. So let's move yeah. on to our last bit of Star Trek news, and then we'll get into our featured discussion. All right. So the last series that's really being talked about is Strange New Worlds. And for those of you who don't know, it's basically a spinoff of Discovery um, with Anson Mount as Captain Pike and the crew of the Enterprise uh, a number of years before Captain Kirk takes over command of the ship. So on Star Trek Day on September 8th, they didn't really overly announce a lot of stuff. They d- didn't even really have a trailer. It was more just like talking about some new characters that they added into it. Uh, so there was one character who's new. Her name is Lieutenant Ortegas. Uh, they didn't really say anything about that character. The only thing that's really interesting about about this character is when the cage was actually being developed by Gene Roddenberry, one of the characters was named Jose Ortigas. And that character turned into Jose Tyler, who was the navigator on board the Enterprise. So it's not the same character, but I think it's cool that they ended up going and using that name at, for this new character. So they brought in some legacy characters. The first one was a real shocker. They're bringing Uhura in. At this point, she's a cadet uh, on the Enterprise working with communications. So it'll be very interesting to see how she becomes the the skilled communications officer that serves on board the Enterprise under Kirk's command, watching her develop. Mm -hmm. They also are bringing Dr. Mabenga back. He was in two episodes of the original series. I can't remember exactly. I think A Private Little War was the first one in season two. There was another one in season three. I can't remember exactly which one. It's been a while. But uh, basically, he was the expert on Vulcan physiology uh, that uh, worked on board the Enterprise. So we're going to see a little bit of him on board, which will be really cool. They also are bringing Nurse Chapel on board as a, as a young nurse. And uh, 
It'll be, it'll, what's really, it will be cool about that is that Nurse Chapel, the big thing about her character is that she was definitely drawn to Spock emotionally, sexually, whatever. She, so it'll be cool to see the kind of beginning of maybe where that has come from and just kind of seeing her develop as, as a nurse on board the ship, you know? So those are some legacy characters that are going to be coming on board. Mm -hmm. Uh, They also, number one, obviously uh, portrayed by Rebecca Romaine, they finally gave her a name. I think they gave her the name of Una. I don't know if there's something else after that or not, but I know Una, they're making her official first name. And I think that that actually came from an older Star Trek novel. And they decided to bring that name into the, the actual character here on Strange New Worlds. So that's really cool. Yeah. So um, I almost, they also. I almost, I almost wonder if Una is kind of a play on the Spanish, you know, word for number one. Uh, of course, the Spanish word for number one is Uno, but if you change the O to an A in Spanish, it becomes feminine. Oh, there you go. Absolutely. That that's a very good uh, tie-in that you you came up with there. Perfect. Yeah. Yes. I, <laughs> I have I have a few moments of brilliance. Not a not a bunch, but. <laughs> That's excellent. Excellent. Yeah. So um, I, I'm, everybody's assuming that Strange New Worlds is going to premiere on Paramount Plus sometime in 2022, which would be good. My guess it would probably be maybe either in the summer or heading into next fall at this point. But I could be wrong. But it sounds like what Paramount Plus is trying to do is have at least one Star Trek series going consistently throughout the year. So there are no gaps. Which is a Star Trek fan is really, really nice because those those long waits are pretty bad. Even after you know, after 10, 12 years of gaps between Enterprise and Discovery, you know, any little gap now is annoying as all get out. <laughs> you know, so that it'll that hopefully that we'll we'll get to see that shortly after Picard ends. Um I also love the fact that the show's supposed to be going back to Star Trek's roots. Um, and actually kind of doing more of the episodic kind of thing and going from planet to like the planet of the week or mm-hmm. aliens of the week. I think that's what Star Trek's been needing. I, if you look back on it, the original series in the next generation can arguably probably be the most successful of all the Star Trek series that ever existed. Uh, next generation in particular with the level of high ratings that that show had over the years. And what do they have in common? Well, basically they're on the enterprise going out and seeking out new life and new civilizations. If you go on to deep space, nine Voyager enterprise discovery, they're out in space. They're, they're Federation based, but the shows are very specific in their formats, you know, where basically the first two just embrace that. Let's go explore space. And we're on the Enterprise. So I think that's having Strange New Worlds going back to that, even though it's a prequel, I think it's going to be great for some of the older Star Trek fans. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I, I do appreciate the uh, the serial nature of Star Trek Discovery and, and Picard that we've seen so far. But yeah, yeah, Star Trek has always been um, mostly episodic and, and very, you know, very little serialization. Uh, uh, you know, you we get plot threads that kind of resurface, you know, mm-hmm. later on in the series, something that was brought up early on, get, you know, makes an appearance later, or, you know, you, you've got consistently, you've got your characters growing, you know, through some of the B plots of the episodes, you know, you, mm-hmm. you see that character growth, but yeah, the, the episodic nature has always been what Star Trek is, is primarily about. And yeah, I think that's going to, 
bring the fan base back that has kind of been, like you said, alienated from uh, from liking Discovery. I know you are not the biggest fan of, of Discovery yourself. Right. Uh, and and it, it, would you say that's your reason behind why is because it's not episodic or not uh, not really uh, it's it, there's this big debate about canon and the visualization about about discovery and how it's supposed it got shoehorned into 10 years before kirk's era but it looks nothing like it um so obviously you can't have a, a high budget series in the 21st century looking like it did in 1960s that there, there, there's no denying that but i'm very I'm one of those people, I can't get my brain around it. So when I watch Discovery and I see all these changes and I see all this advanced technology, even beyond what was in The Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, it pulls me out of the story. Mm -hmm. And and I hate to say that. It's it's not that I don't want to sit there and watch it. It's just every time I watch them, like, this doesn't make sense. This doesn't make sense. This shouldn't be here. That shouldn't be there. This storyline is not right. That's the that's what I don't like about Discovery is that it pulls me out of the story. I wish I had the brain like a lot of other fans do where they can sit and say it doesn't have to look exactly the same. It's the same story, whatever. But that's my biggest issue with Discoveries. It's just it's like a square peg being hammered into a round hole for me. Yeah. I mean, now that they're in the 29th century, it's it's a little better. It's different. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. it, it feels like it's it feels less out of place. Right, for sure. And, you know, of course, you know, the the nanotechnology uh, from season three of Discovery, you know, has really kind of helped uh, that show, you know, fit more like a round peg in a round hole. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And and here's here's the way I kind of look at it. You know, could you imagine if they would have went into making Rogue One? And they said, you know what, the way it looked in the in the original Star Wars movies, two seventies. Why don't we just jazz it up and completely redesign it and have these nice screens? We'll make an homage to it, but we're going to make the the technology super different than we've ever seen before. It's so much more advanced and so much cooler. And then they changed that and put that in the movie. Would you? How would you have been seeing the Death Star souped up, knowing you were going to be going into Episode Four and seeing it like it did in the seventies? Yeah, I. I... I, I see what you you know what you're going for there, and yeah, it, it definitely would not have had the same impact that it does. You know, making yeah, I, I, I see where you're coming from. Yeah, that that's like I said, you know, Discovery's Discovery. It does its own thing, but uh, it's just as a as a fan who's been a fan for as long as I have, with almost thirty years, to, have, to tell me, okay, this is the way it looks now. And this is the way you just better accept it because it's cooler. It's just hard for me, you know, but I mean, if other, but I'm not one of those fans that's going to make fun of other fans or bully them online. If they, if they like it, you know, there are good things about discovery. I love the cast. And even though the sets don't match what the time period is supposed to come from, the sets are beautiful. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the sets literally are, are top, top notch. The show's got state of the art, special effects, you know, there's representation for people on that show that have never had representation before, you know, so I get that it's special to people for a lot of reasons, you know, it's just the one show that's not my cup of tea. I'll still watch it though, because it's Star Trek. Even there are fans out there who say it's not Star Trek. It's Star Trek. It is, Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, but that's just my stance on it. That's all. 
All right. So I think we've kind of covered everything there is to as far as the news is concerned, don't you? Yes, sir. I think we did a great job on that. I think so. a lot of good stuff. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. It, it's it's going to be a a great uh, eight to ten months of of content for for both Star Trek and Star Wars. Um, but you know, on, on that note, let's talk about some new Star Trek. Don't get technical with me. Logic is the beginning of wisdom, Polaris, not the end. The Jedi uses the Force for knowledge and defense. All right. So, Star Trek fans, uh, as we all know, on October 28th, the series premiere of Star Trek Prodigy premiered on Paramount+. Plus. Man, were we in for some sort of an amazing show. I, I can't believe what we saw. It just what it was incredible. And I think this is going to be a great way to introduce kids to the Star Trek universe. So basically, the premise of the first episode is basically this. It started out on the mining colony of Tars Lamora. Started the focus on a young adolescent male named Dahl, who was clearly looking for a way to escape this mining colony, which apparently is some sort of prison. Uh, it was definitely very difficult for him being there because th there was no universal translator, so nobody could understand each other. So there was there was a fugitive that was being called Zero that basically Dahl was put in charge of trying to find. There was a, a period at the beginning of the episode where he tried to escape from the colony. He got caught. Um, so he ended up being taken by a young woman named Gwen. And there was a, a droid with her called Dreadnought. And they took her to him, I'm sorry, him to her father named the Diviner, who was in some sort of weird tank talking to her, saying that she has some sort of destiny in play for her, but she doesn't know what it is. And when after she left to try to talk to Dahl, basically there was a dialogue between the Diviner and uh, Dreadnought where... There's a there's a, an actual mission of what's going on at this mining colony. It's more than just a mining colony. Um, so basically, Gwen and Dreadnought decide they they. I'm sorry, I'm kind of like <laughs> stuttering over my words. It's okay. So basically, Gwen and Dreadnought, uh, they. They call on Dahl to actually work with this one creature that looks like a big chunk of rock, basically, to go and find Fugitive Zero to, and capture him. So, But in the process, they end up falling through a chasm and they find what turns out to be a Starfleet ship, the USS Protostar. And when they, get, they go on board the ship and there's a universal translator on that ship and they were finally able to start communicating to each other and they realize that this is what they've, that this mining colony is all about. This is what is being sought after. Mm -hmm. And nobody can really understand why this ship's here in the first place. So through different circumstances, they go and start bringing other people with them to kind of get the ship out. Um, they also find fugitive zero who turns out to be a Medusan who is non-corporeal and has no gender. And um, it, it seems pretty technologically advanced. He actually, or it actually created its own uh, spacesuit. So they go and they find a Tellarite engineer 
named Jankum Pog, and they bring him on board to help get the protostar going. Um, they also bring aboard some, I guess the best way to describe it is a white blob. <laughs> it's, a, it's a blob character that they found out is named Murph. Um, but if, if you, what I thought was interesting is he couldn't be translated, if, if you notice. There was no speech from him. And uh, well, Gwen and, and Dreadnought end up finding them with the protostar. They kidnap Gwen, put her on board the ship. They manage to get the ship flying and they go off on their new adventures. And then the, at the very end of the episode, we see the Diviner outside of his tank, basically talking about them going after and, and getting this ship. It's, it's his prize. So that's going to be leading us into the adventures of Star Trek Prodigy. Um, what were some of your thoughts about it, Jonathan? So I was immediately drawn to the animation style. Uh, I, I really, you know, I like, uh, I, sorry. <clears throat> I love computer animated programming. I, I, I think, uh, you know, we've seen it with the Clone Wars. We've seen it with Star Wars Rebels. And there were definitely some connections and some parallels to both of those shows in Star Trek Prodigy. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you could tell that the inspiration was definitely there. Uh, you know, um, uh, you know, our, our, our main character doll very much reminded me of Ezra uh, at the start of, of Rebels, you know, kind of, oh, a, yes. um, you know, someone who was essentially abandoned or was captured, you know, made to be um, a slave, you know, or, or, or you know, uh, worker on this on this mining colony. Mm -hmm. um, very headstrong, very uh, opinionated. Um, very much caught in his own illusion of his of his uh, of how amazing he is you know mm -hmm. uh I, I thought that was a really cool kind of you know parallel uh I, I i think he's a very engaging main character i think he's perfect for kids uh mm -hmm. to kind of you know uh, latch on to as as their favorite um but i i like how you know the uh, Gwen especially wasn't afraid to put Dahl in, in his place, you know, yes. when, whenever she knew that she was right and, and, you know, she had the right idea, you know, and, you know, I, I I'm really looking forward to seeing the interplay between those two as the rest of the mm -hmm. show kind of carries on. I think it's going to create some cool tension and, and definitely um, very much like the relationship between, uh, Ezra and Sabine in, in Rebels. Um, yeah, definitely get those vibes. And then you've got, you know, you've got your other supporting characters. Um, you know, Rock, uh, Rock Talk, Rock Talk. Yes. Um, and, and initially, you know, I thought it was, you know, obviously Rock Talk is the muscle, but the revelation that Rock Talk was just a child. Uh, yes. Versus, you know, in in what looks like, to, you know, it looks like Rock Talk was in an adult's body, but but she's really a child. I thought that was a, a mind blowing revelation in the show. Um, I'm look. I'm 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 kind of curious to see where they go with Murph because you know the 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 fact that you know the Universal Translator didn't have a way to you know um, translate what her, you know what, what Murph's speech patterns were and and really understand the language. Uh, I wonder if we're gonna get 
uh, if maybe throughout the the series we're going to start to hear more dialogue from Murph, that the Universal Translator is picking up on the dialect that Murph uses, and and if we're going to get that, you know, um, some more speech and and some more input from that character. Yes, absolutely, and I think Murph is clearly this show's Baby Yoda or Grogu. You know, it's just if you think about it, Murph didn't really say anything. Grogu really never said anything yeah. in the series, and they both seem to have some unique powers. Obviously, Grogu's are based on on Jedi and the Force, but I don't know if you noticed it, but Murph is the one who activated the phasers on the Protostar. Right. All Murph seemed to do was just kind of sit there and like allow himself to sink into the console or something, and all of a sudden it came the phasers came alive. So what else is this character actually going to be capable sure, of? It, sure. This character is already being put in pictures on Twitter. I don't know if you've seen it. It looks like Murph's photobombing in certain <laughs> pictures with people. So Murph's already going to be the, the I think, a very popular character. And um, obviously they created this in mind, hoping it was some to get some sales of some stuffed toys and figures and stuff like that so but absolutely and and, which makes sense but i think it's going to be a very unique character and it is super cute can't deny it for sure um i I think that sorry Mm -hmm. give me a minute yep Yeah, I I think that we are in for one heck of a season. Uh, I Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, obviously with the Diviner, you know, going after them in in his ship, uh, you know, we are going to get some um, some thrilling chase scenes, you know, maybe an episode or two where where they're trying to outrun uh, the Diviner. Um, I I thought that the. uh, Yeah, I'm 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 interested to see what you know what more of a role that uh the Janeway hologram plays i mm-hmm. um i i think you know we're certainly in for a treat with her as well yes i don't know i am i am just i'm beyond excited to see where the rest of this show goes and and you know how much you know at, at what point you know will the the crew really come together as as a singular unit and work together as one. I know there's going to be some tension, obviously, sure. you know, between Dahl and Gwyn, but I, I wonder if by the end of the first season, they're going to be, you know, a, a well-oiled machine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and to be honest with you, I'm sure as the series goes on, there'll be some sort of uh, love interest between the two of them. Like, it was kind of hinted with Ezra and Sabine in Rebels. You know, as well. So I can see that at least being flirted with a little bit. I hope not. I, yeah, <laughs> I hear what you're saying, but I can see it happening. Yeah. I, I don't know. Um, now did you, you know, when, when we initially got the first cast photo, um, or, you know, um, and the, and the trailer for Prodigy, did you realize that Zero was a Medusan? I didn't know it from the actual trailer itself. I knew from when they first announced the characters. And I think that was so cool of of an idea to bring Emma Dusan on board. I don't know if you've ever watched the third season episode of the original series, uh, Is There in Truth No Beauty? It it had an episode where there was a Medusan in a box. They actually showed the exact same box as a bit of continuity um, with Zero in the episode, the Prodigy episode. And and it was the same thing. If if he had to stay in that box, because if he stayed in the box it, or it came out of the box, I should say, 
his, he was so ugly and grotesque that he would make anybody go mad. And, and that's what ended up happening is that the, some engineer on the Enterprise went mad and flung the ship past the galaxy into the void or into the, something. Mm-hmm. And um, they had to use Carlos to actually, that was the Medusans name, Carlos to actually get the Enterprise back because apparently the Medusans are great navigators. So that's something that we'll be seeing probably with Zero as well as being a navigator. What's really interesting about Zero is the character is not, has no gender because the character, Ambassador Carlos was, it was hinted at being male in that episode of the original series. So, but it makes sense that if they're non-corporeal, that they're going to be genderless. Sure. You know, so that's going to be interesting. One other thing that I found interesting about this episode, since we're talking about the characters We've got three aliens on here that are from the Alpha Quadrant, or actually four. So we have Jankum Pog, who is a Tellarite. Mm-hmm. We have, let's see, there was a Cation character that was shown. I thought that was a different species. It was just similar to a cat, but apparently it's a Cation, just like from uh, uh, the animated series and uh, Lower Decks. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we got that. We have let's see who zero obviously the medusans are from the alpha quadrant because that's we they were at their planet in that episode and then there was a lorian character and if, if anybody doesn't know what a lorian is it's the the character of morn from deep space nine who never talked and uh but was always frequently in quark's bar is that species so i've been sitting back going how on earth did four alpha quadrant species get to the delta quadrant um, now I've mm-hmm. kind of thought it, it's, it, it'll be, I don't know if they're going to follow up on that or if they're just going to say, ah, the heck with it. Don't question. It's not a big deal. And I'm not really overly worried about it. I'm just curious. I think maybe if they would have made Jenkin Pog a, a Talaxian, it would have fit a little bit better. And I actually think Pog looks more Talaxian than Tellarite. Um, but, uh, zero uh, the, the Medusans, I can see that they probably can go at fast speeds and go anywhere they want. So that one's not really a stretch, but the Lorian, the Cation characters that, that, that didn't have any lines. I always have, I have to keep reminding myself that the caretaker brought a lot of ships from the alpha quadrant or all from all over the galaxy to the Delta quadrant before Voyager. So who knows who came before that? Right. You know, so yeah, so that'll be interesting. I do also want to give a shout out to one of my favorite Star Trek species, the Kazon. I was so stoked to see a Kazon back on the show again. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen Kazon in years. And that Kazon arc that Voyager had in season two was one of my absolute favorite arcs of any Star Trek series. Um, and Seska is my favorite villain of the, of the series. So I'm hoping that we'll get to see Kala come back or maybe some legacy characters from uh, other episodes of Voyager. We know Chakotay's coming back. That was that was just mentioned recently on uh, social media. And Captain O'Connor from the second season Next Generation episode, mm-hmm. The Outrageous O'Connor, I guess maybe he got pulled to the Delta Quadrant. I don't know. I guess we'll find out. But there's just so much excitement about this show, so many new things to follow. Yeah, it's it, it, it's going to be so cool, I, I, you know, to see where, like I said, to see where the rest of the show goes, where the rest of the first season goes. Yes. Uh, you know, we get, what, 10 episodes? I believe it's 10 episodes, yeah. yes. So there's still a lot left to go, and I, yeah, I'm, I'm along for the ride. I'm... I'm really, really, really excited to see where the yes. rest of this goes. Uh, I, and, uh, and I'm happy for you that, you know, that you got to see the Kazon and, and really get to see that return of one of your favorites. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I hope, you know, maybe they solicit help from K- from that Kazon character, you yeah. know, as they're, you know, uh, trying to get away from the diviner. 
Absolutely. And I'm curious about the mining colony itself. I, I, obviously, the diviner set it up because he was looking for the protostar. That that was very clear, that it clearly mentioned. Sure. But the colony itself, is it set up as, is it like a legitimate penal colony? Or it, it, I guess it was more like, I guess that Kazon was more like a bounty hunter who was going around the, the, the different sectors and gathering people to bring to this this space. But I, I wasn't sure if it was functioning as an actual, like, penal colony or, or not. I don't know if we'll learn more about it or not, or if it's just, you know, just, it was just the setting. Sure. You know, but uh, I'm, I'm curious about that. I'm also curious to see what the heck the protostar can do. Right. Yeah. Uh, we've never seen a ship quite like that in, mm -hmm. in Star Trek. Um, no. You know, seeing the, the, the Janeway hologram is kind of a, a unique twist on what we saw in Voyager with uh, the EMH. Yes. You know, this is basically the command version of the EMH, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, it, it's it's going to be interesting. Um, mm -hmm. I, do you do you know what the time frame of the show is? Is it is it after Voyager? Is it simultaneous with Voyager? I mean, it, it's four years after Nemesis. So Nemesis took ah. place in twenty three seventy nine. So I believe this show takes place in twenty three eighty three. And Voyager came home about a year and a half or two years before Nemesis came out. So yeah, they should all be home at this point. I'm just curious to see why they sent the Protostar out there, and did they send it with a crew or not? Right. And how did it get to the Delta Quadrant? Yes. And how did the Diviner find out about it? You know, was it, you know, did they see, find it in space and they lost track of it and they have to crash on this planet? And that's why he set this mining thing up. Who, there's just so many interesting little characters. And we're already in just one episode. And look at all this stuff we're already talking about. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it really is a visual treat for it is. for Star Trek fans of all ages, and and yeah, you you were absolutely one hundred percent correct that I think this is going to really bring families together. You know, it's going to yes. get kids interested in Star Trek, and there's enough there for the the adults who are fans to really latch onto and really get yes. excited about as well. And and all all of the best animation does that it, it it's a way to bring families together around mm -hmm. uh, a common interest uh absolutely and, and yeah absolutely uh this journey is going to be incredible yes absolutely so, absolutely any any final thoughts on uh the first episode of prodigy oh uh... Not much. I, I just, I, I, I was just amazed at how very similar it felt to Star Wars. Um, like I, just the Diviner being in that that what looked like a big Bacta tank right. to me, basically. And then at the end of the episode, you see him hooked up to some sort of tubes from his back. I mean, clearly that was like an homage to Darth Vader and Anakin. And then um, Dreadnought, if, if, almost from the beginning of the episode, I'm like, this is like General Grievous. Yep. yep. You know, it's, it's like spot on. He, if you think about it, he Dreadnought is the second in command of a flesh and blood character. You know, in this case, Dreadnought is the second in command of the Diviner. You know, and basically, Dreadnought led the droids that went after uh, all of them. What were they called? The Watchers, I think they were called. Mm -hmm. Those, yes, those droids. Yeah, and they felt a lot like separatist kind of not battle droids, but some of their other little droids that they had flying around and walking around. Yeah. Like the, the buzz droids or the vulture droids. Yeah. That's it. Yes. The buzz. Dro yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Very much. Yeah. You, you know, um, 
the this show's inspiration that it's taken from Star Wars is certainly uh, is something that it wears very proudly on its sleeve as a badge of honor. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, it, even down to the storyline where the original Star Wars was about the Empire sucking all of the, the, the hope from the galaxy. Well, that's basically what this colony is doing is sucking the hope out of these characters that are or these these prisoners, basically. You know, and even the Diviner even said in the episode about how the Protostar would teach them about the Federation and bring them hope, which they're not supposed to have. You know, so there's even that connection. Right. With Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm really, uh, I'm really happy with how this first episode played out. I can't mm-hmm. wait for the rest of it. Uh, but you know, that's, I think, I think we've kind of discussed all the major points that there are to, yeah. to, uh, really hit on this yes. show. Let's, what do you say we wrap up? You got it. Sounds good. I think we had a good discussion. I think so too. Hey, uh, Chris, why don't you let our listeners know how they can uh, reach out to you if they want to talk more prodigy or, or share their thoughts on the episode? Absolutely. So you can find me on Facebook. Just, you can just type my name, Christopher, um, C-H-R-I-S-T-O-P-H-E-R. And then my last name is Stahl, S-T-O-U-G-H. Just type that into Facebook. It'll take you directly to my Facebook page. And then on Twitter, you can follow me at cstahl1. How about you, Jonathan? Uh, my, uh, my handle for pretty much every social media site out there is just a Disney geek, uh, except on Facebook. Of course, you can search Jonathan Heil, J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N. H-I-L-E, friend request me, uh, let me know, uh, you know, with a message that you're a listener of the show, because if I don't know you, I'm probably not going to accept your friend request. So just let me know that you are uh, a fan of the show and and I'll accept that and we can talk. So uh, for Chris and myself, this has been episode 12 of Captain's Logs and Lightsabers. We appreciate everyone who listens. Give us some feedback. Let us know what you liked about Star Trek Prodigy first episode, if you saw it. Uh, And uh, don't be afraid to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts for the show so that we can grow our audience and reach out to more fans just like you. Absolutely, everybody. It's great to be here. And until next time, may all of you live long and prosper. And may the Force be with you. 